0: Welcome to the Marshall Proof podcast and your week in IndyCar, a listener, a Q&A show. It is a Wednesday evening, December 6th, 6.53 p.m. What does that mean? It means I have five hours and seven minutes left to be what I am. 52 years old. Tomorrow morning, I guess I'll wake up and I'll be another year older. Don't feel like it. Uh... Age is a weird thing. For those of you who are young or younger, just stay young. Just saying, it's pretty cool. But one thing you might find, and those of you who are a little bit older may know, you get older, you get responsibilities, you deal with all kinds of stuff, whatever, whatever. But for the most part, I don't know. Uh, the The shell ages, but you kind of are who you are. And so, brain wise, like I don't know, unless I look in the mirror. Uh, I don't think of myself as any different particularly than I did when I was late 20s, mid-30s, mid-40s, whatever. So yeah, age is an interesting thing. That person that keeps looking back at you in the mirror definitely evolves, but who you are, what you do, and how you do it, yeah, uh, it's always a, a out-of-body thing where I'm like, wow, you're another year older, but you're still a relatively immature idiot but anyways that's my little take on life um hey thanks for all the questions you sent in we're well and truly into the indycar off season and yet oh you still got a heck of a bunch of questions to send in so we're going to get to those in just a moment uh when you wake up tomorrow morning or if you're already up or whenever you listen to this uh racer.com should have a little story going live that if i'm lucky i'll get another nasty gram uh from the series over to celebrate the one i got one year ago standing in the paddock the best chef's kiss uh birthday present of all time uh live and in person loud red face screamy spit flying from roger penske so who knows maybe i'll get uh another one uh on my new birthday um Been on the phone an insane amount over the last, I don't know, 10 days maybe, however long. Today, probably three to three and a half hours on the phone with whether it's team owners, folks from the manufacturer side, media side, uh, yeah, working on a lot of stories. First of the bigger, more impactful ones, again, we'll go live in the morning on racer got another one that i buttoned up today as well uh that'll be going live here asap uh two and got plenty more that i'm working on got an imsa story i know this is our IndyCar car show but got an imsa story that i need to finish before uh dinner time tonight on pretty cool new bop approach they have balance of performance the three most hated letters in all the motorsports and Just a heck of a bunch of other things. I think, by the way, uh, I think we might have a new partner of the show. Uh, Nothing to announce yet, but had a great call Uh, Monday, I believe. And yeah, so might have uh, a new partner joining us, which would be phenomenal. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of good things happening. Was up early this morning and some appointments with my wife. Those went super well so yeah gotta gotta admit y'all not as if there aren't a lot of really grounding sad and dispiriting things happening in the world but um maybe i can be a little ray of of sunshine for y'all because things are going quite well here um last couple of quick personal notes i hope here on Thursday or maybe Friday. A couple things been wanting to do charity wise. It's been a bit of a slow year for me in that regard, which has not really sat well with me the entire time. But spoke with my wife Shabrell, about a couple of things that I want us to do to raise some charitable funds. So when those things are ready, I will certainly make that easy to know about and hopefully engage with on good old social media. Our dear friend, Cassie Johnston, incredibly loving and giving person, our entire family, just that's who they are. Uh, she was really brave here recently to share some of the struggles she's been going through um, with her health and continue to uplift her, think about her, and offer her our love. And if you are the praying type, our prayers, Hopefully. Heard from a friend that I mentioned at the beginning of last week's show, Brian Kroll, who tells me things are still headed in the terminal direction. And there might be a bit of a a ray of of sunshine there as well, where he said might get to uh, experience another Indy 500. So... Tough times y'all, but lots of love possibly the main thing I love about doing this podcast and so many of you who've become friends and joined together and put together this Prude A listener group is y'all are just absolute experts at bringing that love, bringing that positivity and uplift up up sure I'll just keep it in upliftment to those who need it. So You might not know Brian there. You might not even know Cassie, but whatever that thing is inside of you that gives love, um, please tap into that. Um, Huge thank you to our partners, Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Discount Tire. And also to our pal, Jerry Suddeth, who puts together these questions for us every week. Last note here, Cassie has yet again, third year in a row, organized a holiday fundraising drive to buy toys for underprivileged, disadvantaged kids. Instead of going out and buying those toys herself and taking them to a charity or charities, she wisely has chosen four different ones in four states across the country, really well-known IndyCar loving states and all the funds generated there are being sent to those four so they can do the buying and they hundred percent of that goes to uh, making children happy. And if that isn't a motivator in life, then you ain't human y'all. Uh, dot org, P R U E K I D S dot If you're able to and have not already, please help we're getting really close to the fundraising goal all right time for a little that was terrible but again we're going to keep it in a little bit of my old unpolished show vibe let's get rolling with your questions not going to be able to do a super long episode because i still got work to do let's kick off the show here with our friend horacio frey who asks able to discuss how many team owners are asking for a new car versus those that are not uh you say i agree with your point that all new technology like the hybrid system stuff it's great you can't see it does nothing for optics selling points new people coming into the sport yeah that last item there Horatio. boy we could spend the whole episode talking about that but we won't um I would say three to four team owners come to mind who are pretty passionate about wanting a new car and telling me so either on their own or if that topic just comes up naturally It's a little thing to mention here, and that is the vibe at Penske Entertainment. The second question here from Ed Joris picks up on this exact item. Thing you've heard me mention on the show before, and I've written about in the mailbag and speak about whatever many times, not a secret. Penske Entertainment's policy when it comes to media, thoughts, beliefs, whatever, is fall in line with us. Whatever it is. Don't talk about stuff. That isn't. So Roger Penske has said in interviews with me and others within the last, I don't know, year, two years, no need for a new chassis. Uh we're good with what we got. Racing's great. Why introduce new costs? Yada yada yada. Nope, not doing it. Sticking with what we got. Interviewed Mark Miles here recently, threw that question back out to see if the answer would change. And it was again similar oh not doing anything with a new chassis sticking with what we got got to get this hybrid thing figured out first after that that's let's talk about that later so again falling in line i think the only team owner principle that really stands out as being on the record somewhat recently i don't know if it's the last three months six months year whatever Uh, saying, hey, need a new car. Uh, Zach Brown, right? Zach's arguably the most powerful guy in the paddock. I realize we would say that would be Roger Penske because he owns the series and is a billionaire, et cetera, et cetera. Would totally agree with that. Also keep in mind that, I don't know, you it doesn't matter to me how much money Zach has, but uh, incredibly powerful human being, sovereign human being, wealth beyond belief. He can speak whatever it is that he believes, without having to really worry about the series clapping back, not saying they don't clap back, but he's not someone who's going to shrink and go, I'm sorry, I'll just fall in line and won't say what I think. He's a bit of a unicorn in that regard. Now, would it be impossible to get some others on the record to say, yeah, Hey, I think it'd be good to have a, a new chassis. No, of course not. Um, How loud and how hard would those others go in that direction? Even Zach, I don't believe, has said anything really hard. Like, nope, IndyCar's wrong. Haven't seen anything like that, nor would I expect that, Horatio. But just got to understand the way Penske Entertainment does things, and they have made this painfully clear to everyone in its paddock. Uh... Get in line, fall in line, don't speak out of turn. So there you go. There's not enough team owners who really truly want a new chassis in terms of, and they're willing to go buy four, eight, 12 chassis and spend millions upon millions to make that happen. That's where the big separation takes place. So want one? Yeah. There's not a single team owner in the series who can look you in the eye and say, oh no, this car's perfect. Never change it. We Let's stick with it for another 13 years. Everyone would love something that is prettier, futuristic, uh, lighter and more of this and more, right? Everyone would love that. The amount of people who are, financially stable enough to support that it's not as big a number as we'd hope there are too many teams who are we got a big car count right had a conversation with someone today about this we got a huge car count 27 cars last season should have a 27 yet again full season in 2024 man things must be a raging success and you go numerically yes but this team here man their, their sponsor is kind of on the brink. We don't know if that sponsor is going to be around a year from now. And this one over here, they have a wealthy benefactor, but if that benefactor passes on or decides to stop benefactoring. That team's gone. Like we could only find like two or three teams where you go, they're bulletproof, too big to fail three-ish three three for sure maybe four kind of sort of hey this team's heavily involved in another racing series or multiple racing series outside of indycar and we know that they're cranking in huge dollars to do that and that helps to cover some of the indycar stuff like if that manufacturer or that series goes away wow this could have a terrible domino effect so it's another aspect to this ratio. Nothing's ever simple. I wish it was all just one answer and on to the next one. But There's a lot of things to consider here. And yes, every single team owner would love to have a new chassis. That is all the things that I mentioned, but less than half are truly capable of writing a check to make that happen without causing significant financial harm to their teams. So we ain't there yet. Uh, Ed Joris picking up on that topic. You mentioned Penske's penchant for message control a few times. Does this extend to what drivers say? Uh, will Pato award get a call or a fine for the things he said to another outlet, uh, last week? Like we desperately need a new car before we need a new engine. (coughs) Sorry. I got to drink something here. Um, so on and so forth. Um, he said, Pato also mentioned, you know, you want folks to be saying, holy bleep, have you seen the new IndyCars? Compared to, have you seen the IndyCars? Um, I would be willing to bet everything I own that a phone call, nasty gram, whatever, was d- directly sent uh, <laughs> to young Mr. Award." of Monterrey, Mexico. Um yeah, totally. Like it's the thing, Ed. It's the message control. This is not a democracy like it once was. It's just it's just the truth. Um Here's what I'll leave you with, and then we'll move on to the next item here. It's their prerogative. Folks choose to be a part of the series and accept that, or choose to not be in the series and reject that. Um, This is just the way it currently is. I could see, potentially, a point in the future where that softens a bit but we aren't there right now the thing that i hear the thing that i, I shouldn't say here the well i do hear it the thing that i am told at a higher percentage higher frequency than ever as i have experienced in the i don't know 17 years or whatever i've been on the media side I hear more now in IndyCar in interviews than I've heard at any other time previously in IndyCar or in any other series that I hear from those who I speak with who often share spicy thoughts and takes about a number of things. Something that goes along the lines of please don't get me in trouble with Roger. Variation of that, please take care of me there. I don't want to get reamed by Roger. Just phrase that in a couple of different ways, but those are the things that I hear so frequently because part of doing this job is having real conversations with folks. Can't always do that, right? Might be in a public setting, might be other people around, might be other reporters around, might have a deeper relationship, a more long-lasting or trusting relationship with someone, team owner, team principal, driver, whomever, where they might be willing to speak more candidly with me than maybe some of the folks around. But they see those folks are there, so they either pipe down a little bit or say it under their breath. But I'm just saying, if you wanted... (laughs) wanted to know what the the current temperature is like and to quote our guy Juan pablo montoya it is what it is the amount of folks who say you got to take care of me on this one welcome to use my quotes but you know just just look over them really good do you see anything in there that's gonna get me a call from rp uh just consider <laughs> I get that call from RP, my next phone call is gonna be to you. It's like well, geez, all right, thanks, man. Uh but that's the state. It's fear. Just fear. Um Ah oh, man, it, it makes me sad. It takes the joy out of things, at least for yours truly. Hashtag me personally yeah um when you hear me down and feeling worn out when it comes to indycar it's usually because of something like this where it's like hey i'm not averse to push back of course but it's the oh you can you can't be honest if it isn't their truth huh that's a little icky uh hey let's go to something more fun uh jake ward say marshall for years a significant discussion Run Graham Rahal was his poor qualifying. Even the start of 2023 was bad until his shocking P2 at Mid-Ohio before getting two road course poles to end the season. Where did this sudden speed come from? Is this a team development, new technology, a smart individual? And if it is a single person, uh, they should be the hottest commodity in IndyCar. Uh yeah. They brought on a, a new damper specialist uh last offseason would say took a little while for the team to really get a proper damper program shaped Um, team's oval performances is where they really stank last season and kind of sort of the year before made some improvements there but not crazy improvements but they certainly got better on the road courses they're already good there but Seem to find uh, another gear. And I would say if I'm going to find one transformational thing, you can point to people, of course. They're what make dampers work and suspension settings and all kinds of right. Get all that. But I'd say going through the month of May was really the thing that made them come out on the other side in a better place also working even harder not suggesting they weren't already working a thousand hours a day but like wow this got ratcheted up even more all the struggles in the month of may the efforts to find these little nuggets of granules of extra speed to make sure that uh they qualified granted i realized that one of their four entries didn't with Graham but you know they there were only 34 entries so there's always going to be one car that didn't make the show just you know it could have been all four cars kind of circling the drain and it being a lottery as to which one wasn't going to make it wasn't too far from that but again they worked insanely during the month of may as things were going in the very wrong direction to try and find things that would improve their performance coming out of the month of may i think that was very much a springboard not only a demand from bobby ray hall that we're done this is is, work this is it we're done this can no longer happen we have to find uh, an overall improvement on the engineering side that happened. I'd say this kind of crucible that they went through in May was really the thing that launched them towards this. And so to answer this and move on to the next question, I'd say, of course, it's people. You know, car didn't make itself faster. Computers don't magically tell you yet how to make things all better. But I'm looking at more the event of the month of May, Indy 500 what they found within themselves, the resolve that was taken to new heights, crazy extra work put in, and then starting to find more things from there and more things from there and gelling more and getting more out of themselves as an engineering outfit. And then also that benefiting Graham with finding more things that worked to his liking. We know that he said coming to the season, as he said, coming into other seasons, hey, qualifying, I know. It's not my thing, but I got to make it. I don't know if he got all the way there, but he certainly made really impressive progress. So take Graham constantly working on it, the team improving itself, going through this terrible month, but that being the thing that really started to unlock better versions of themselves, finding stronger engineering directions things that were more of graham's liking um said they all started to come together and show us that graham ray hall that we knew for quite a while so fingers toes and any other appendages i'm forgetting are crossed that this will continue and trend even farther upwards in 2024 uh garen porter how you doing mp Thoughts with you and your wife, Shabrell, as always. Thank you, Garen. Say, so despite your obvious hatred for Seinfeld, yeah, I mean, like, for real, it's the worst. And I'm a long-standing Jerry Seinfeld fan. Like, back to the late 80s, so right pre the show. Anyways, uh, I also hope you had or will have a fabulous birthday. Thank you. I plan on it being fabulous. You say, I was wondering if has learned the lessons from repaved tracks and do some extra running or practice at mid-ohio in 2024 um interesting right so we had a full test day the uh was it full maybe not but it was the day was certainly 24 hours in length but we had that at monterey laguna seca right new paving uh go do that go do the track testing didn't have a lot of tires so teams couldn't exactly truly run all day long but uh hey go and do that use all this information to then go um look great in practice qualifying in the race and uh, it was a poop fest so i hear you road america another situation where new paving found though that if you were off the single line of choice throughout the entire track uh boy it was almost like skating on ice happened as well at laguna seca um that tells me it's not really a lessons to be learned extra running or practice uh going to here going to there is going to solve something uh big like that teams will get more setup information cars can go faster The potential, though, based on what the track used, in terms of the material, this new paving, and so on, we know that at least two road courses we went to last season, oh boy, this is super grip, this is ice. And (laughs) boy, you are going to be slipping, sliding, crashing, and making fools out of yourselves if you fall out of that super grippy single lane if that is what we find uh, is the case at mid ohio there's no amount of testing that is going to change that unless we have some sort of bizarre road course rubbering in session where folks just do burnouts throughout the track on all the offline areas and do that i don't know right before the race so there's no chance of rain or whatever else, uh, kicking all that rubber out of the grooves. So I don't know if there's anything here, Garen, right? If they elect to have a test day just prior to the race, cool. That'll help teams update their setups. But, um, hmm, I don't know if that saves us from a really wacky and caution filled Sunday, uh, Carson, Chris, Hey, Carson, you say this seems like a good time to ask about what you think of the Joseph Newgarden tattoo. Uh, Yeah, I'm assuming it's real. Saw he made some sort of, I don't know, was it? It wasn't a bet. Was it a bet? A promise or something to uh, his Team Penske teammate, Ryan Blaney, the new NASCAR Cup champion. Uh, I didn't read all of it, to be honest, but something about him saying you'll get a tattoo of him whatever, if he wins championship and he did. And then I saw that photo of Joseph with what appears to be a real tattoo on his thigh, right? Lower thigh down by his knee. Um, and I think he was standing next to Blaney in it. Um, yeah, assuming that's real. I, how's this? I saw it. Carson and i said i hope that is not real because you know it's fun i know hey you're going to make a bet and if you lose the bet you got to do something outrageous i get that you know it's it's one thing if you're like hey if i lose a bet i need to get a tattoo of a thing that i really love on me whatever it might be maybe it's your favorite band your favorite whatever race car uh, again i get that but the like Kind of punishment tattoo that you carry with you. And I don't mean a little small one, you know, the size of a quarter or what, but like this is a big old tattoo that I saw, assuming it's real and not a, you know, temporary one. The idea of carrying that throughout the rest of my life, every time I'm in shorts, and at least me, which is a lot, this thing is visible and is always a topic of conversation and potentially ridicule in child, parents, spouse, whatever, are forced to look at this. And again, it's not a thing you're like, wow, that's who you are. Look, I have some friends who are tatted everywhere and that's who they are. They would not be themselves without all of their ink. I don't know if Joseph has or had any tattoos beforehand, but just the idea of if that is real and that large and of his bearded teammate, that that is something he would willingly have permanently applied to himself. I guess you could have that lasered off too, but do that. Um, If that's all real, Carson, it is mystifying to me might make total sense to others so again it's not a like right wrong thing but like that might be a thing where some are like yeah totally get it that's amazing it's awesome um i just shake my head and go this is where you go i love you dude you're my bro and teammate and all those things um name the charity that and i'll name a number that isn't going to break the bank and i'll make that in your name uh you got me. Okay. I said I'd do it. I'm backing out of that that makes me a whatever per got it. But I am not going to be 80 years old staring down at some wrinkled tattoo of my teammate from 50 years ago or whatever who on a lark in a text exchange I said I would tattoo you onto my leg or onto my body if you want a championship. Um for folks who have plenty of tattoos it might just be the latest thing added no big deal but if you're a guy who at least for who i think here was minus tattoos um i just looked at that was like uh (laughs) lord love you man that ain't me so there you go uh (laughs) i hope it wasn't wasn't real carson i really do because uh yeah, I am shaking my head as we speak. Uh, hey, at MRB160 says, Faf Motorsports announced that James Hinchcliffe would be racing the endurance events in a McLaren with them. Is this a, a quote, makeup between Hinch and McLaren for him being released several seasons ago? Or was this completely Faf and Hinch working out a deal? Best to you and your wife. Thank you, at MRB160 from the tweeters, I believe. Hinch and Faf trying to work together in IMSA in GT Daytona for the last two seasons at least. This is when Faf was affiliated as a works-ish Porsche team. And Porsche was unmoved by that. Porsche has factory drivers of their own. Uh, and so on, and so that's how things worked out there. With the team's move to McLaren, uh, this opened a new opportunity to revisit. It's not a makeup, It's not a gift to Hinch from McLaren. As I'm told, McLaren absolutely put him through the ringer. This was not from a anything that happened years ago with being buck naked and arrow being on the car and arrow being the one that was, uh, gobsmacked at this because they apparently hadn't been alerted. And again, none of these things really have anything to do with Hinch specifically, nor were any of these things quote his fault, but this was him being grilled on the merits of, his skills as a race car driver because this is not mclaren racing formula one or indy car this is the mclaren automotive gt wing needing to wanting to make sure that he met all of their standards and criteria uh, to be a part of this gtd pro which is the again duh, pro a uh, wing of Ims G t racing that hey, this guy whose name we know and has been related to us whatever before, but this new thing, new side mcLaren automotive, and so yeah they uh they put him through the ringer, obviously he made it through the other end in good shape, and he'll have a pretty awesome year doing the endurance races with them, and I hope that only continues and expands in the future, but unrelated terms of it being a makeup or anything else uh our pal jameen Tuttle. any more off-season surprises coming that you know about but can't reveal yet if so any hints yes indycar related stories news uh yeah so the whole let me give you hints about a thing that i can't reveal that's yet another thing brother that i never quite understood hey you can't tell us but could you give us hints about what you can't tell us and so it's like okay so are we playing a guessing game where i just try and not make any mistakes on what i give away and the things that i can't give away again i don't know how to do that so um i can tell you that i spoke with one team owner today who says i'm going to call you middle of next week and might have some interesting news for you that's great uh spoke with another team owner last week um similar story there uh got a number of indy 500 related stories i just need to get cranking on and get done there. Um, let's see, what can I share that I could say I kind of sort of have close to done that isn't going to, yeah. Uh, close to having a new season of 100 Days to Indie confirmed. How's that? I think I might have mentioned that uh, months ago. Uh, but yeah, in a recent update, uh, that I just need to work into a story was told that, okay, we're not saying what network channel or whatever it's going to be with, but, uh, yeah, close to confirming and announcing going to have season two also where season one will be distributed in a quote, international capacity. So, woohoo. I don't know if that is the least bit interesting, Jameen, but I don't want to leave you hanging here. And no need to hint. Uh, I found something to share that, I don't know, uh, it's a thing. Hey, Brett Keys, you say, MP, after reading a recent article regarding a new chassis still being a ways out, I was wondering if updated aero kits were anywhere in the plans. Could be a chance to improve the racing product. And I'm sure, to most casual fans, the cars would appear, quote, new. Um. I guess one of the items you mentioned here, Brett, stands out as improve the racing product. That, to me, is the last of IndyCar's issues or things to solve. Most of the races, year to year, are really good. So, I think the racing product, most people would suggest, not really something that needs vast improvement. Again, not claiming every race is amazing course not but yeah to me it's not a case like wow this sucks gotta do something to make it way better falling asleep no passing no anything like but i do agree that yeah falling back to the visuals and looks and whatever yeah um conversation i had with someone today for a long time I was arguing what Pato said, right? Hey, we need new channel. Again, I love to hear him saying that out loud, publicly, and all those things. Something I know I've been saying for years as well. Many, many years. In print, podcast, video, mailbag, standalone, whatever. Screaming it for years to no effect. Um, Talking about we need a lighter car and newer technology and we can do this and that, right? I've not backed off on that belief, Brett, but I am am modifying my views here. And this is what I discussed at length with a a good friend, influential friend in the paddock today. I am less hunkered down on the new chassis, heightened technology, and all that kind of stuff from that side, and maybe more just focused on the vanity side. Hey, let's just make something that looks amazing. And so you mentioned, could we do updated bodywork to do that? I don't think so, right? The core thing that it bolts to, the the tub itself, the architecture of the cars—it's baked in pretty heavily. So, you know, we're not going to stray too far from what we have at the moment in terms of looks. You'd have to, I think, start fresh, but. I'm more focused on the what I've said countless times. Like I need something that stops people in their tracks. Oh, my God, it looks like it's from outer space, from the future. What is that? Again, Pato mentioned some of these same things. Whoa, what is that? If it's more of a styling exercise than anything else, I think that would still just suffice. Why? We're just starting to look stale and old so this isn't just meant to be another complaint just sharing my evolving mindset here maybe it's something some of you share as well which is i want folks to look at an indie car who have never seen an indie car and flip out i have to go see this in person what is that that's crazy it's great it's beautiful It's abstract, it's whatever it is, but something where the core premise for the designers is watch a lot of science fiction. (laughs) I don't know if you're a fan of Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, run through all the various shows on the streaming platforms that are outer spacey and spaceships and whatever. Go 20 to 50 years into the future. Imagine, draw that. Draw the IndyCar of 2075. And yeah, it might be crazy and no way to actually make that thing, but start there. Do not, for heaven's sake, start in 2025. I need something. That is going to cause folks to say, where do I buy tickets? I have to go see this in person and spend hours just trying to contemplate and understand the complexity, the simplicity, the brilliance, the wow. This is art that I have to witness. And it also goes 250 miles an hour and makes great sounds and defeats physics and does all kinds of great well, Even better. Start there. I'm not saying the new NASCAR Cup formula is the most beautiful thing ever. I do like it. I like it better than the last one, better than the formula before that, and so on and so forth. It's new, I think, looks good. It's got GT bones within it. Like, like, okay. The new F1 formula, it's a big old car, but hey. A lot of folks seem to love the way it looks great. So we're talking looks cool performance and other stuff too, but looks wow. We're capturing people's imagination. All right, Indy car. We got an old comfortable brown pair of shoes and yep, still works. You can wear them every day. Never wear out. Got it. But man, nobody's talking about your kicks. This is the thing. So I am dialing way back on the need for tech, this, that, and the other. I need something that has folks stopping in their tracks saying that is the most beautiful, the most something. I got to see it. I need a poster of it. I want to pose next to it. Take me to that vehicle. So that's where my head is at. Just ain't with yet another bodywork treatment on an almost 13-year-old car. Uh, we are starting to wind down a little bit here and go to our pal, Corey Johnson says, happy holidays, MP says you hear a lot of drivers spending time on quote, the SIM, are these provided by teams, Delara, Honda, Chevy, what separates these Sims from a nice at home, iRacing setup. Uh, in most instances, absolutely nothing, Corey, uh, for the home side. Um, if we're, well, how's this? Let's define the sim. All depends whether a driver is leaving their home or flying or driving to be on the sim. So Chevrolet and Honda have their own driver-in-the-loop simulator. That is the large multi-axis uh, sitting within a dome type scenario, where they climb into a cockpit, identical ish to a DW12. This also applies in IMSA and, and NASCAR, and you name it. But this is where they get up onto that big multi-axis dynamic rig with the the big surround screens and such, and headset of some sort. Speaker, their microphones. I should microphone to speak, and we'll have whether it's their engine partner manufacturer engineers, uh, also their race engineer behind them. They're communicating, and they're whether it's trying new virtual setup items or just simply training for an upcoming track. You know, hey, uh, never been to this circuit. Uh, Might be a rookie or might be a new track on the calendar that no one's been to. uh, Your Chevys and your Hondas will certainly do all they can to get as many drivers as possible in and rotated through the DIL, Driver in the Loop Simulator. That's a trillion, zillion dollar setup. There are very few of them in this country at least. Uh, GM through their big Uh, new tech center in north carolina i believe they have two or three um so they're able to have kind of a 24-hour day nascar dil running uh then another one indycar slash imsa um that's really cool they're amazing booking time is not easy it can often be a somewhat preferential thing right hey if you're a great driver but on a bad team that has no hope of really doing anything whether it's at every race or in the championship you're probably not going to get a couple hours on quote the sim uh compared to some of the leading drivers in the championship with that manufacturer the other is what you refer or what most of us would think of and that would be a really nice iRacing type setup at home and now you can spend tens of thousands damn near a hundred thousand maybe even more for some of the kind of big crazy contraptions that i've seen and they're pretty awesome right gimballed and they move and up and down and whatever and weightless a little bit and like it's crazy right more often than not though it's just a really good eye racing type setup again some might have five grand, 10 grand, who knows how much invested, but yeah, massive difference between on the SIM as in, Hey, I'm in the guest bedroom where I set it up or the basement and I hopped on a plane to Charlotte or Delara's or Honda's all in central Indiana, um, to do some real DIL work. Uh, you also say how many drivers use or rely on Sims? I mean, every, all. Uh, the older generation drivers tend to be the ones who aren't always huge fans. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if some of the veterans who might be closer to retirement are all in, like younger drivers, but keep in mind, they didn't grow up with Sims. So it's something they've had to pick up later in their career compared to their teammates who've probably only ever known them. And so it's just an ingrained thing where it's kind of gym, tan, sim every day. Uh, and you say, how much data do teams really get from the sim? For the DILs, a bunch. Like, yeah, the data correlation between what they're testing in this driver in the loop virtual world to what applies to real world um it's become alarmingly surprisingly good so yeah uh this is one of the big items that allows teams manufacturers whatever to have their cars and drivers show up at most tracks and be within fractions of their ultimate lap time that they end up turning uh in the race or in qualifying like the reason why the majority of teams don't show up and it's a little bit of a crapshoot of oh boy we're way off and how do we find some of what we're missing so we don't totally suck by the end of the weekend that still happens of course but it's relative it's not your three seconds off it's we're missing two tenths virtual testing is a huge component of why that has become the truth, and the reality of what we have. Austin Taylor, you say, with Trackhouse entering MotoGP next year, with Justin Marks saying previously that he'd be open to joining IndyCar, what do you think the idea of his team joining IndyCar? Um, joining IndyCar as an in entrant for the season? Yeah, that seems like it's miles away. Uh, teamed up with somebody to do the Indy 500? If we were to learn that in, I don't know, 2025, Indy 500, that would be the case, 2026, wouldn't surprise me. But the fact that they're formalizing a three-ish car thing and Cup with our guy Shane Van Gisbergen or Giz Van Shanebergen or whatever the heck his name is, that's a big ask, big growth area. Now entering MotoGP, that's a big thing as well. For a newish team, the thought of and then stacking some other big new initiative like IndyCar onto that as well—it's in the spirit of what they have been doing, Austin. But I would beg of Justin to not do it, because it's when you say, "Well, if we can do two big things, two and a half, three big things, right? Extra car, Shane, and MotoG. Well, hey, let's do another." You know? This is where you're in a really crucial point of losing the plot and failing because you're trying to do too much and those individual things that needed a ton of attention are now getting less. And stacking another big thing is only going to dilute your focus even more. They really need to become excellent at running Shane and all the NASCAR-y things he's going to be doing and learning, and also their involvement in MotoGP. Of course, they're not, you know, running the MotoGP program out of their NASCAR shop. So just saying, all I could ask for Justin, who I love, is, please come to IndyCar. Please do not rush. It'll be here. Uh, get everything else to a place of greatness. And then build from there. Do not diversify too heavily. Do not diversify your bonds too quickly. Uh, they'll come for your neck. Uh, let's, what are we almost done here? Yeah, we're not too far away. Um, Ty Schlorer. Ty, I think this might be your first question. If not, I apologize. MP, what happens to cars that get significant wins or hit major milestones? For example, if Elio wins a fifth 500 does that car immediately go into the ims museum or is it at the discretion of the team great question ty uh i think nascar is a little different isn't it the case or wasn't it the case or like if you won the daytona 500 uh there's some agreement or whatever that the car goes into the museum right away or something like that hall of fame i don't know um different here big big business relationships between nascar and its entrance right the charters that they own there's a real there's some thick contracts between every team and nascar that is not the case in indycar these are all with the exception of roger penske's team purely independent businesses owned by folks who might have a million-ish dollar a year business relationship with IndyCar through the leader circle contracts they have. But again, these are really and truly smallish business owners who buy their cars, support the people who work on them, right? No, they got sponsors and all that, but there's nothing uh, whatsoever that says if Elio wins a fifth, Mike Shank must take that car to the museum. Uh, the business dynamic between indycar and its teams is just radically different from other series and so nothing like that happens unless the team owner would decide to do that on their own or, or if they were asked but the bigger question here about significant wins major milestones really depends right you've got some team owners who are super nostalgic right roger penske i know we've mentioned roger a thousand times already in this episode but he's got his own museum and the cars that have won this and that and like you know they memorialize themselves constantly and have for decades others maybe a little less so um does ed carpenter have the chassis where he won his first indy 500 pole like up on a display and lights for all to see I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. But, like, would that be something that he guarded to the ends of the world? I don't know. Maybe not. But all depends on, on what teams consider to be, you know, really important to them. Case-by-case um, case scenario here, Ty. Thanks for sending that in. Michael Bragg, you say, if you could create a Hall of Fame for IndyCar chassis, which ones would be the first inductees? Oh, great, great question. <sighs> Wow, we could probably spend the rest of the episode doing this one as well. Um, boy, a lot of designs from good old Harry Miller for sure. I'm a a Miller chassis lover, and there are so many different ones with different engines, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, you name it. Um, but yeah, probably a lot of Millers. A, a curtis craft roadster i don't know exactly what year if there's one year that i think is more beautiful than the others i don't know if i could actually tell you that tell you that but that would stand out um boy 72 ish through 75 eagles are about as beautiful cars as you could imagine uh what else i mean there's some gorgeous penskis in there yeah, I feel like I'm I'm failing you on like really hyper specific ones. Say that 1994 Penske PC23. Uh, I always thought was just gorgeous, and I hope I didn't get my numbers wrong on that. But um, realized that it won the Indy 500. I never thought the actual Indy 500 version with the big old 209 cubic inch beast motor stuck in the back was visually appealing just looked bloated but every other race without it um with with the standard ilmore motor um gosh those cars were beautiful <sighs> let me go with those for right now uh, i don't know why my brain's failing a little bit because normally i can give you 50 specific examples but let's go with those for right now um Neil Deuker, how are you, brother? You say, can you walk us through what happens after practice, qualifying, and the warm-up sessions? All right. That's an easy one. <laughs> uh, when in the paddock, you see a flurry of activity by the crew, engineers, and drivers, what main things are crew members doing when they tear things apart? What gets covered in The meetings with engineers and drivers? Does it translate to changes made for the next session? What mechanical things are needed, done, after each session that betters the car? Um awesome question neil i'll ask our pal jerry to carry this over to next week and move it towards the front of the queue because usually when we get towards the end of the show uh we try to hold off on doing really long answers because not only does it extend the show quite a bit but also great questions like this yeah just try and move towards the front uh, make sure that everybody's able to hear it so uh john wire you say best wishes to you and your wife and the cats and you talked a lot about santino ferrucci and callum ilot not having a lot of funding just how much funding does a driver need to run for an indie only ride or for a full season with a competitive team uh ilot has no money right he's not a driver who brings any sponsorship john he is a paid professional santino has brought money i keep looking for exact instances of that continuing heard been bringing somewhere in the two million dollar range maybe to a fight this past season but can't get anybody to say yay or nay uh no in the past had heard the number of two to three million like coin for example um it again this is one of those how long is a piece of string questions brother where you go there's no answer Because it's different in every single instance. Uh, The biggest, most coveted free agent right now. There aren't very many seats left. There aren't very many things going on left in the silly season. But the number one influencer and driver of the silly season is the driver by the name of Stingray Rob. Why is that? He's said to have the biggest budget, a paying driver, has brought in I don't know how long. I realize that there's some others who potentially bring even more, but they're already signed. Rumored to have between 8 and, a half and $9 million to spend. And there aren't many seats left. But I tell you what, everybody who wants to be an in IndyCar and is trying to land a seat, by and large waiting to see what happens with Stingray, where he ends up. That's him. I'm aware of a driver that has, I'm told, about $4 million. Annual budget, depending on the team, has been 5 ish to $6 million per entry in recent years. That is said to have increased or could be increasing to 7 to 7 and a half, with all the changes coming and costs and new parts and pieces with going hybrid. Heard a driver with about $4 million to spend who would have been snapped up last season, maybe the season before, is now struggling to gain traction because $4 million is not enough at darn near every team. Some teams as well that would take two to three because the quality of that drive driver is extremely high, and hey... Are we willing to take less because you're going to be a better performer for us than take more from someone who's going to perform to a lesser degree? Uh, so yeah, again, it really and truly depends on the team, the need quality of the driver, the value that they do or don't bring super, super dependent on who it is, um, When we get the grid set, hopefully someone will remind me or, or ask, and I'll try and go through and explain who's bringing what. And I can't tell you that I would know the specific dollars for every single one, but I can at least, even in the absence of a number, tell you, hey, I understand this driver is probably in for about half of the annual budget or more or something. Just give you a feeling for the financial importance of the driver or the competitive importance of the driver because those are the two big items the big variables john that dictate what folks are asked to pay uh chris ward sorry (laughs) i asked you to resubmit this i'll ask jerry to move this towards the front of next week's show and maybe we'll just set a precedent where if i ask to carry something over from week to week we move it towards the front because again once we get to the back end of the show we're usually way more thoughtful about long answers time to spend uh so we're going to close what are we going to do uh i'll pick up one item below uh Below the, the red line of death, Andrew Miller, you asked about insights on why Andretti chose three cars instead of four. Discussed that many times here on the show, brother. Written about that many times on Racer uh, and in the mailbag. So um, you might go back and listen, or you, uh, yeah, uh, might find some reading material there. Also, I'm aware that uh, ask for folks to send in some ideas, uh, questions um or i shouldn't say questions award categories for the uh entirely made up award show we didn't really get many so i probably gotta think about that again i think i might be just failing on the execution so uh please give me a pass there uh but at the mike awesome three you say with all the works towards hybrid power is indycar keeping an eye on the impending world of synthetic fuel say for me i'd like to think we're not stealing dyno juice and creating pollution to get internal combustion we can get back some uh v's with our race engines um we went to 100 synthetic fuel in 2023 so uh indycar absolutely not only keeping their eye on the impending world of synthetic fuel but uh they did indeed Go to 100% renewable fuel, bio waste, largely or significantly comprised of fuel uh, made by Shell starting this past season. And used it all season long and it worked wonderfully. So already done, already there. Uh, The final item here is sent in to our friend from the Great White North, Kevin DeVries um oh sweet you kev say marshall want to say thank you for the racer article and you're starting last week's podcast eulogizing norris mcdonald for those who didn't know norris mcdonald great great long-standing forever canadian motor racing reporter who pick whomever your favorite reporter is these days or maybe you've read for a long time whatever it is sports or entertainment or politics whatever um and that was norris forever in motor racing in good old canada uh you say i believe he was a foundational part of my motorsports fandom i recall in my younger days looking forward to the saturday edition of the toronto star first go to the funny pages but next was always the wheels section to read the articles that norris had penned but the latest hot driver or recapping the preceding weekend's events also read last week that another inductee in the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame, longtime supporter and voice of Canadian racing, Eric Thomas, be hanging up the mic at the end of the year. So I can only hope that the next crop of homegrown motorsports coverage retains their passion and integrity. So I'm clean out of Molson or Labatt's, but I'll raise a glass of Crown in its stead. Thank you again norris kev really appreciate you and sending this in and just adding more context and depth and love to norris and yeah i feel like i've met eric before i know i've gotten a million press releases from him and yeah uh boy him hanging up the mic is wow that is a big big thing um yeah again this is probably a Hey, you're mentioning this way too late in the podcast because everyone's already fallen asleep. But if yeah. there are any of you out there who have a real, true, serious burning interest in becoming a motor racing reporter, broadcaster, photographer, videographer, PR rep, something where you go, hey, I'm making content that tells stories and feeds the interest like a norris did or eric thomas please reach out folks do frequently some of you listening are right at this moment saying hey jackass i sent you an email a week ago or two weeks ago doing this exact thing saying hi i want to become a name one of the things i just mentioned and you haven't responded yet that is true so I apologize. I do have a list of about, I should say a list, I think 22, I've got 22 emails I need to respond to, uh, that I've been holding because I've admittedly just had a crazy amount of, uh, deadlines and deliverables to make, uh, send those along though. Even if you don't get a response from me right away or in a even vaguely reasonable time frame, if you're really, truly interested, not just kind of kicking the tires, but have you know, had a passion, but haven't known where to start send me an email send me a dm send me a something and please accept that it might take longer to respond than you want but we need y'all uh i love the great young reporters and photographers and whomevers who make themselves known known in my parlance is their work and their work ethic jumps out and you go, hey, you're special. Um I just want to know I don't feel like I'm ever going to hang up the microphone, the keyboard, or the camera, but I do worry more often than I should about like, hey, is there enough in the pipeline for the future to say, okay, uh if every racing series banned folks over the age of i don't know 40 from covering reporting shooting whatever how many folks would be left Uh, some definitely enough i don't know so yeah uh boy kev i would love to know or help or point more norris's and eric's and you name it's uh, in canada towards Folks who can get them moving along there. And if you're here in the States, please reach out, as so many of you often do. And, yeah, um, I'd love to know that, boy, uh, we're going to be filling media centers for decades to come with great talent to continue the storytelling. Uh, I think of us as all just links in a really, really long chain and I just want to keep adding to that. All right, I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. It's 8.11 p.m. Uh, I got to shut up and get writing on that IMSA BOP story because who doesn't want to do that on a Wednesday night at 8.11 p.m.? Uh, thanks once again to Jerry Studdeth for putting our questions together. For y'all just being kind and awesome, please take a look at pruids.org if you are able to help. And to our big partners at Super Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com and Discount Tire. Thank you for making this show possible. Speak to y'all very soon.